Thanks for listening to the church at Severn Run Messages Podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you this morning, and, and, um, and today we are not uh, wrapping up our 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 journey on racism, we are uh, really just beginning. This is the launching point of, of life in Christ and, and life on topic. I want to remind you a couple of things. If you haven't been here, I really want to challenge you to go back and to, to listen to some of the previous messages, not because, um, you know, I just think you need to hear me, but I think in hearing some of the stories, especially last week um, that were shared, I, I think that there are times when, when things need to get personal with us. We need to get off our own narratives. We need to get off our own uh, positions. And, and we just need to hear another human being and listen to their heart. And, and in the end, guys, it, it really is personal. Um, in the end, it, it really is about relationship. And so I just want to challenge you in all of your thinking, you know, because all of us consider ourselves to be like the political center, right? Everybody's to the left or the right of me. That's what we do, right? I mean, you're, you're looking at somebody else and you're judging them and they're, they're to the left of you. Oh, they're liberals, you know? Well, you just put yourself as the standard. Or, or, or they're, you know, they're, they're just ridiculous conservatives. Well, you just established, you're, you stuck a stake in the ground and said, I'm it, and they're not. Sometimes we need to just step back uh, from the rhetoric and, and we need to enter into um, the heart and the experience and the pain of other people to, to truly move forward. Otherwise, we just stay stuck in our own little narratives. Um, so I want to remind you as we start the conversation um, that, you know, I just come at this with great humility. I don't, I don't come to this with an idea that... Um, you know, I, I'm not uh, speaking for all people of, of darker pigment skin. I'm, I'm not speaking for all people of lighter pigment skin. Um, I'm not that good. Um, I'm just sharing with you my heart as a shepherd, hoping that you'll hear uh, something of God's heart. Kind of as we sort of pull the, um, you know, the, the, the thread of racism um, it's kind of been like this in, in my yard. Uh, go ahead, next slide. That, that, anybody have any of those in your yard? I have a, a plethora, uh, a multitude. And, uh, and so, you know, when I'm mowing or whatever else, I'll stop and pull and stop and pull. My neighbors must think I'm crazy. But I figure a little bit at a time and, you know. So I'm, I'm, this one's at the edge of my, my driveway and I start pulling it and I pull it and I pull it, and I pull it, and I pull it, and I pull it, and that isn't even the end of it, right? It, it, it goes on or went on before it finally broke. It went on probably for another eight to ten inches. And it really struck me that's kind of like what racism is in America for some of us, not for all of us. Because you see, the simple reality is if you, if you are a person, and, and again, one of my choices in life um, is, and you don't, you be you, I'll be me, and we'll all be good. 
Um, but it's like, I, I, I think there is something inherently fallen and broken in identifying people by the pigment of their skin. You know, so, so why, why do we have to, when we're talking about somebody, say, oh, that, that yeah, the black guy or the black girl. You know, uh, oh, yeah, it's the, the person with the, the pink skin. No, 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 not that, the light pink skin, the lighter pink skin. No, 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 three shades pinker than that skin. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't do that. And so, but for the series' sake, again, for, for clarity, um, you know, for to build a common ground, I, you know, I guess we'll have to for a little bit. But so if you're, if you're a person with darker skin, um, you don't need anybody to pull on the root to show how woven it is into society. You pretty much know that you've experienced that. For some of the rest of us, um, you know, it's, it's just been a humbling experience. It's been a, a depressing experience in one sense. Um, just to see how broken uh, and subtly woven into, you know, all of American culture um, racism is. You know, since 1640, when Jamestown legalized slavery, they finally made a switch in 1619 or so when the first, um, you know, the, the Dutch uh, hijacked a Portuguese ship carrying slaves, you know, brought them into Jamestown. But then there was this kind of mix of, of seven-year indentured servants and and. But eventually that became too expensive and it wasn't until like 1640 that finally, you know, people recognized, hey, this is, the, this is how we can serve our self-interest. This is the cheapest way to get, to get labor was to institutionalize slavery. You pull on one little piece and there's another connection and another and another and another. And racist ideas and racist feelings and racist reactions to racism are everywhere in our culture so that we are reeling from the wound in a soul-deep way. Ibram Kendi describes racism as the assumption that dark skin is bad and light skin is good. And I know it's more complicated than that, but that's kind of the assumption. Um, it's the idea, and I would add, or feeling that uh, is conscious with some people and unconscious in, in many people, owned by some and, and not faced by others, that there's something wrong with black people. Um, it's literally, in his words, any idea or suggestion that black people or any group of people are inferior in any way to another racial group. And this is the insanity that, that we are committed to answering uh, in the days to come. One, one last thing. Um, you know, my approach to pastoring is to try to stay on, on point with Jesus. And I get criticism, some criticism from time to time about not preaching enough on this or that or, or on abortion or on political issues or other things. And it's not that I have my head in, in the sand. It really, really isn't. It's just that it's, it's like if, if I have a little bit of spiritual capital to spend with you, I want to spend it on, on Jesus. And it's not that we're going to ignore issues or we're trying to ignore. Um, and if we've ignored things that are near and dear to your heart, I just, I, I apologize. But, but to me, when you accept Jesus, it changes everything. There are no racist followers of Christ. 
There are not. Um, you, you cannot uh, walk towards an abortion in the footsteps of Jesus. You, you cannot. So, so you get the heart right with Christ and everything else follows. So anyway, guys, that's my heart. And, um, and with that, just again, continuing to ask for, for grace and mercy. And if, if your narrative disagrees with mine, th that's okay. But what I would ask you to do is, is two things. I really, really would ask you to do two things. Instead of just sticking with your narrative, sit down with somebody who has a different pigment of skin and listen to their experience as authentic. Don't, to make up a word, de-authenticate somebody else's human experience based on your presuppositions. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? Don't pretend that you can know anything about anybody until you've talked to them. Let it be personal. The second thing is, I, I just want to challenge you to take the word of God and do not reason from the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or any other party, but reason from the scriptures and do so in humility. All right? All right, let's pray. We're going to jump in. Father, I, I pray that you would do a strong work at the Church of Seven Run that you would show us how to engage the broken in new and real ways in the days and years to come, that we would be such a missional church that if suddenly the church at Seven Run ceased to exist one Sunday, that everybody in the community would notice and, and grieve our, 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 uh, our absence. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to be Jesus in a world. Amen. Micah 6.8 says this, He has showed you, O man, what is good. And anytime you hear this kind of language, you need to think revelation. And anytime you think revelation, you need to think of the ignorance or the lack of knowledge before that revelation. In other words, why was revelation needed? What was going on before this moment that, that was ignorance that now God is answering in revelation? You know, our purpose is to reach as many people as possible by revealing the love of the Father through the life of the Son in the power of the Spirit. And we're living in a world that is sin blind, that doesn't know anything about the true heart of God, that has an active imagination creating all sorts of wrong God ideas, but then God reveals. And the whole story of the Old Testament is a story of progressive, ever-increasing revelation of, of the will of God, the plan of God, until the fullness of God's revelation in Jesus Christ. And so now God is saying, He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord seek from you? So not only does God reveal, um, He also requires a response, invites a response. We are not passive, um, you know, uh, observers. We are, we are active in the relationship. God reveals and, and we respond. It's like that awkward moment when you take the chance, you know, uh, to say to her the first time or she says to you, I love you. Silence is not good in those moments, right? <laughs> and if you all remember how awkward that was the first time you ever said I love you to, you know, to the person who's the love of your life. I mean, it's like, ah, you know, I'm going to go there, but... God has showed us what is good. He has, he has shouted his, his message of love and he is requiring a response from us that is whole life. 
to act justly or do justice. The Hebrew word is, is mishpat. It's, it's um, uh, justice in the sense of the rightness of God. It is not about judgment as much as it is about the, the, the healing and straightening character of God making what is sick healthy and what is bent straight again. To act justly and to love mercy. This word mercy is one of my favorite Hebrew words. Um, it is the Hebrew word uh, chesed, and, and it has to do with loving kindness. But it's even more than just loving kindness. It, it's, this, it's this one word that means many words in Hebrew. It is faithful, loving kindness. And so, so all that translated to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Guys, I want to share with you today that I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the good of God. God has showed us what his good looks like in a broken world. We are living east of Eden. Uh, we are living broken and, and, and too alone in this world. And, and God never intended that. God intended for us to walk with him and be in relationship with him and be family together. But the world is shattered by sin. Everything is broken. Everything is broken. But God has shown us what is good. And it is Jesus. He is the revelation of God. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. I believe that the religions of the world are, are the active work of the human imagination to imagine God and construct a relationship with Him, construct a narrative, a God narrative. But I do not believe um, this is, is revelation. And, and some of you say, well, Drew, that's, that's narrow. Well, Jesus said that he was the way and the truth and the life and that no one came to the Father but by him. Now, if you say that's narrow, just understand that it is broad enough that it's offered to all of humanity, okay? Uh, it is exclusive, but it is, it, it is, it is the revelation of, of the Holy Scriptures. And you have to decide, I have to decide, true or untrue. Um, but... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And the miracle of this is, is called the incarnation. That's why we celebrate Christmas is because God became flesh. He became one of us. And last week we talked about in John 17 and John 18, the, the miracle of the second incarnation, which is Jesus praying for us. Father, I pray not only for those who, are, who have already believed, but I pray for all those who will believe after. And he, and he went on to say that 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 they may be one as we are one. And then Jesus said, uh, you in me and I in them. The first incarnation, all the fullness of God in Christ, the complete revelation, and then Christ in us. Colossians 1.27, the hope of glory. We become the revelation of God in a broken world. And so Jesus is the good of God. And here's the deal. Many of us are, are um, distracted by Satan uh, in, in our lives. And we're wondering if God is good, how could, and then we fill in the blank with bad stuff that happens to us. And what I want you to understand is that that really is the work of, of, of hell in our lives. 1 John 3, 8 says the, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. There really is uh, a, an evil intelligence uh, an eternal being that, um, that does not have your best in mind, that is actively working to deceive you. He does not wear a red suit, uh, have horns, or have a pitchfork. 
Uh, he masquerades as good and light. Um, he is evil and, and deceiving. And when you and I do our own will and reject God's will, we are doing the devil's work. And, and a part of the devil's work is to keep your eyes off Jesus, to get them on people, to keep them on your hurt and your woundedness, and, and to, to completely um, not see the good of God in the world. You know, well, my husband died. If God was good, how could he allow that? My wife has breast cancer. If God is good, how could he allow that? My, my child um, is sick. If God was good, how could he allow that? And this is Satan's like ADD attempt squirrel to um, say for all of us, you know, don't look over here. Don't look at Jesus. Because if you look at him, you're going to see the good of God. You're going you're to look at the life of Jesus, the words of Jesus. You're going to look at the nobility of his death, at the impossible selflessness of his suffering on the cross. You're going to look at the nails through his, his hands and his feet, and you're going to see the good of God. And then you're going to take your eyes off of me and, and my distraction, so don't look at Jesus. And of course, I would say to you, do look at Jesus. And stop looking around, stop looking at people, stop looking at your woundedness. Again, one, one girl was just angry, and I mean like, like cussing angry at God because her grandmother died. I'm not mocking anybody's pain, I'm, I am not. But when, when, when your grandmother gets in her high 90s, she's going to die. Or, or if she makes it to 100, she's getting close, 105, we're right there, you know. That's not something that God did. We did that. When we declared our independence, we brought crazy and death into the world. And so to be mad at God for something that, that, is, that is something that he died to end is just crazy. But, but we get mad at God. And, and, and the whole point was stop looking at your grandma and look at the cross. You say God is not good, and, and I get that, and I feel that sometimes. I struggle with it, but when I look at Jesus, I know that is true, and this is a lie, a temporary illusion. John 1, 2, uh, 1 John 2.2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And for this reason, we say we believe the world can be changed because Jesus bled for it all. And the power of his blood is strong enough to redeem the entire world. 1 John 5, um, 11 and 12 says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. Eternal life. We don't have to live in sorrow, in sadness. We don't have to live angry and raging. We don't have to live broken and lustful. We don't have to live sad and defeated. We have eternal life. And we can live in peace. And we can live in, in confidence in God. We can live in joy. We can live in adventure. And we can, we can live bold lives that, that are lives of becoming and increasing in Christ. Or in the world, we can live broken down and deceived by sin. But we have been offered eternal life. And this life is in His Son. It's Jesus and listen to this, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And all the stuff that we're chasing in the world without Jesus at the center isn't life. And racism in America exists because Jesus has not been at the center. I'm just telling you, it's crazy how deep the roots of this go. During uh, my, my doctoral step work, I, uh, I did a paper on, uh, on William Lloyd Garrison, uh, the, the the abolitionist and his paper, the, the Liberator, and I and I read the biblical arguments for slavery, 
uh, I, I read hundreds of them, and then the biblical arguments against slavery. And, and what, I, what I couldn't, you know, fathom as I'm, I'm reading these arguments, you know, especially, you know, all the arguments like from Scripture in the New Testament for slavery, I'm thinking, how could anybody look at Jesus and see the value that he placed on, on unexpected people? Jesus elevated women in ways that was not culturally done. Jesus uh, ate with sinners and, and hung around with people who were not the in crowd. Um, how could anybody listen to Jesus and think they could own somebody or look down on somebody? Guys, the crazy train is, is taking the world on a one-way trip to hell. Jesus is the good of God who's brought eternal life and his atoning sacrifice answers all the crazy, all the broken, all the pain, and all the loneliness. And I'm just telling you, if you're here today and you don't believe God loves you because, and then you're filling in some temporary circumstance in your life, I'm not minimizing that at all. I'm not. I'm just asking, would you just for a moment, a season, would you look to Jesus and the cross and ask God to show you his goodness. What can you lose by praying a prayer like that? Well, you can lose your sadness and your broken. I thank you, God, that you showed us what is good. And now, Lord, I know that you're seeking something from us. You're seeking a response. And the truth is that if you and I know Christ, we can't sit on the sidelines of a hell-bound world. If you know Jesus, you can't sit on the sidelines and, and just, just let the world go into the work of, of, of Satan. So we are to act justly. Our response, what God requires from us is to act justly. The Holy Spirit works through us to right the wrongs of Satan's work. We are the second incarnation of God. And, and just as Jesus had a choice to do the Father's will or not, to be obedient um, and, and beautifully revealing or to claim his life for his own sake and, and do what pleased his flesh, we have the same choice. And, and Jesus chose the submission and surrender to, to the cross and, and lived the love of God in a beautiful way that changed hearts. I'm telling you guys, you have underestimated the impact of your life. God has called you to do what Jesus did in the world. God has called you to live your heart surrendered to Him so that God can reveal Himself through you in, a, in, a, in an amazing, life-changing way. So what's your response going to be? To sit angry on the sidelines? You know, are you going to take your eyes off Jesus and, and, and say there is no good in God, there is no good in the world? Or are you, going to, are you going to sit on the sidelines stuck in your own narrative and never, never ever get in the game and, and be the change that God has called us to be? What does God require of you? What is he seeking from you? God is seeking you to respond to him and to respond to the broken in the world in, in ways that change things, ways that touch people's lives. And if you're not touching anybody's life, you're missing your purpose. You were destined for more. You were destined for more than just eking out a living. You were destined to, to be the hands and feet, the mouth of Jesus, and to be the smile of God, to be the, the pleasure of God. 
1 John 3.10 says, This is how we know who are the children of God and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. So if you and I uh, do not let the, the, the love of God transform our lives and, and, and we don't live uh, the, 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 the changing justice of God, the, the changes broken into to whole, if we don't love other people uh, as, as God's infinitely valuable creations, then we don't know God. We're, we're just liars. To act justly means to see broken in mercy and in boldness work to make it right. But God requires something from us and we can't be a bunch of do-nothings. To love mercy. God expects everyone who's received mercy to live a merciful life. In Matthew 18, again, Jesus told the story of a king who's calling to account his debtors. And he calls a man in and, and the man owes him 10,000 denarii. And, and, and the king says, pay me now. And the man says, uh, you know, I, I can't. And, and so the king is going to have him and his wife and his children sold. I mean, it's over. And the man begs for mercy. Have mercy on me, O God. Be patient with me and I'll pay it all back. And the king, moved in mercy by his plea, forgives his debt. But he does so with an expectation. The guy goes out and he finds a man who owns him not 10,000 denarii, but, but like 10 bucks. Instead of, you know, a million bucks, he finds a guy who owes him maybe 100 bucks. And he shoves him up against the wall and he begins choking him, demanding that he pay him. And the man says, be merciful, uh, I, I will pay you, give me time. And the man says, no, and he has him thrown in jail and his, his wife and children sold. Well, the king's servants saw what was going on, reported to the king. The king called that man back and he had some words. And he says this, you wicked servant, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. And Matthew 18, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had on you? Guys, I'm asking you, uh, in, in the name of Jesus, to, to know that, that if you've received the mercy of God, if you're not just a religious uh, hardhead, uh, if you're not just uh, somebody who's kind of living a shell of, of the illusion of faith, if the mercy of God has gripped your heart and, and, and you understand how much you've been forgiven and, and how much God has, has not held your sin against you, then something's happened in your heart. Your heart has... And will soften and change and, and you will live that mercy towards others. God expects everyone who's received mercy to live a merciful life. You know, even in the criminal justice system, those of you who are working in our prison ministry, it's one thing to stand back and say, yep, three strikes and you're out. It's another thing to sit across from somebody and listen to their story of, of being in 19 different foster homes by the time they were 12 and 13. It's another thing to, to hear uh, the story of, of somebody who's been sexually abused and sold by drug-addicted parents. Um, and to hear that brokenness and then to understand where they are now. It's easy to judge people if you're lost. But if you've found mercy, then you love mercy. And you live mercy in the strongest way possible. 
1 John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother, he's a liar. You cannot be a believer in Jesus Christ and be a racist. You can't. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, um, you are led out of uh, judgment without mercy and you are led into a whole new way of valuing the blood-bought race. What is hate? See, this is how we get around this. You know, I don't hate anybody. Mm, Don't be so sure. (laughs) Hate is everything less than joyful love towards another human being. If you can look at anybody and not and not feel the delight of God in them, then you're being hateful. It was a joy to see the uh, Lauren and John's, and I, I love, all of you who've had little babies, you guys are amazing, you know. Thank you for growing the churches ever run, yay. Um, but you look, you look at a mom and how she looks at her little baby. You look at a dad and see the pride he picks up his child with. Guys, when I stand up here, I I kid you not, when I stand up here, that's what I see in the Father's gaze towards you. You are loved, and you are accepted, and you are forgiven, and you are valued. But what does the Lord God require of you? What does he expect of you? To give that back towards others. And to look at other people and love them and value them and to feel the delight of Father in them and on them. None of us chose the pigment of our skin. Now, I think I rock bald as well as I can. <laughs> but if I'm choosing this thing, I'm probably going to go with a different body style, you know? <laughs> I'm 6'5", probably 280, bench 380, 400. And I've got the hair, you know? (laughs) I didn't choose this. Well, this is the pleasure of God. And, And the insanity of false pride or hatred of humanity based upon something as shallow as as skin pigment, it's from hell. So Whoever, anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar, just, just be careful about, about lying about your hate. If you do not have a joyful, ever-increasing valuing of other people, that, that, really is, that really is kind of a hidden hate. 1 John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And, and I want you to pay attention to what the scripture says, to act justly and to love mercy to love being kind, to love um, being merciful. Uh, God's call is not merely to be merciful, but to love mercy, to cultivate a passion for mercy towards people. So that where in your old nature your mercy is towards judgment and towards, you know, um, you know riding off and, and, and seeing, um, you know, in black and white and, and seeing things, you know, like this is, this is it. To, no, 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 no. In, in Christ, there should be an increasing love of, of being merciful, the love of the mercy of God. Thank you, God, for being merciful to me and a joy in that. And then as you look at other people, you're not judging them, writing them off, uh, devaluing them, diminishing them. You know, you're seeing the worth and you, and you love the mercy of, that God has had towards you and towards them. And it, it's ever increasing in your life to love mercy. Do we love mercy? And to walk humbly. 
with your God, in the presence of your God. We live for an audience of one reflecting infinite glory. Revelation 21, 23 uh, says that in heaven there will be no more sun because the glory of God, his own radiance, will be the light that is in heaven. And what we're doing on earth is, is we're being reflections. I, I went a few weeks back to a, an off-road kind of a training camp in, in Canada. Uh, it's really tough, um, lots of single track stuff, and I just got my lunch handed to me. Um, I learned to walk humbly. Um, and, you know, drinking eight liters of water and still thirsty, and, and at the end of the day, so tired I can't even pull in the clutch, you know. I mean, it's just, and I'm, I'm coming back at the end of the day, and I'm riding back towards where we're staying, totally defeated and exhausted, and just like, you know, feeling completely, like, incompetent. Um, it's a lot of fun. And, <laughs> and I'm riding down this road, and at the end of the road, there's a lake, and the sun is setting, and, and through the trees, there's just this spectacular, beautiful reflection shimmering on the lake of the setting sun. I mean, it is glorious. And I'm just saying, that lake is so beautiful. Thank you, God, for the beauty and the, 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 the glory of, of this. You could not set up a movie shot that would be more beautiful than this. And then it occurred to me, you know what all the lake is doing? It's just reflecting the glory of the sun. It's just sitting there. It's not doing anything. It's just being the lake. And it occurred to me, that's all we have to do. That the glory of God is so great, and the glory of His love and His mercy, that, that when we will humble ourselves and just give up our lives and let God be reflected through us, that, that He will be revealed. And so in Romans 12 too, we do not conform to the pride and the patterns of this world any longer. Um, if other people are living a, a racist narrative or a wounded narrative of, of, of hatred back, we don't live that narrative. And do not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. There is a profound arrogance in our flesh that Christ came to crucify Jesus on the cross, probably Jesus was, you know, we see him in a loincloth, and, and maybe there was one, but often the Romans utterly humiliated, uh, just as the Germans did in, in hanging Dietrich Bonhoeffer. They stripped him and marched him naked up the gallows. Why? Just to humiliate, you know, just, just to, 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 to increase the level of emotional suffering. You don't see any pride nailed to the tree. And yet we as Christians somehow want to hold on to our pride. No, no, no. What God expects from you is to act in justice and to love mercy in your living and to walk humbly with your God. Our journey through time is a journey in the presence of God through time, humbled by His glory, just reflecting His, His infinite glory. And then our journey is a journey beyond time in the presence of God. Infinitely loved, we live joyfully secure in the purpose of God. And so I'm asking you and I to begin a journey uh, as the people of God who are a blood-bought people, one race, and, and I'm asking us to, to accept mercy. And if you have, have never 
received the mercy of God, if it's still all about religion, if there's no joy and softening of your heart, if there's no increasing presence of the life and love of God in your life, then you need to accept mercy and let Jesus' love get deeply personal and joyfully real to you. And I don't want to say this, if the love of Jesus has never been joyfully real to you, then it's probably not Jesus at all. So will you accept the mercy that God extends to you? The, the offer of complete forgiveness for your sins. You're not, let him pay the price and, and you just receive the gift of salvation. Would, would you do that? Secondly, to forgive sin. Let Jesus have your hurt and your anger. The narrative in America right now is fear and anger and, and it is, it is hurt and anger. And, and racism is a deep and, and fatal wound in America that is woven intellectually and sociologically and, and institutionally throughout our, our country in ways that are, that are just so deep. And for those of you who, who've experienced racism, you have to forgive. I, I've had numerous people come up and tell me their stories. You see, it's like when evil gets in, evil gets out. And several of you told me your stories, you, you with lighter pigment skin, of uh, being bullied uh, by people with darker pigment skin in, in high school. And, and, and somehow, you know, it's, it's all the same insanity. We cannot let the root of bitterness grow and let the light of Christ grow in our lives. So I want to challenge you to not let the work of Satan succeed in your life by keeping your eyes on people and, and the wounds in your life, but I want, to, I want to challenge you to look back to Jesus and the cross, the good of God, and, and to choose to let Jesus have your hurt and your anger. Forgive. And to live justly. I'm going to ask us as a church to be on a journey um, increasingly um, uh, practical and bold in our world around us to live against racism in America. I, I believe with all my heart we can change the world. I believe that because I believe, believe Jesus believed that. And I believe local leadership is the difference. And I believe that if you and I will, will be right with Jesus and let him fill our hearts and change our hearts, if we will live loving justice and mercy um, and, and in humility offer our lives for his purposes, I believe that God can change our culture. I'm telling you that, that this area, this region will be different in 10 years because of you obeying the word of God. And racism will be that much more a defeated virus because of you listening to God and bearing his witness. So on either side of me, there are some banners. And I'm going to ask you to sign them. Here's a simple deal. If you don't want to, don't. It's not about judgment. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's, again, if, if, if you can look around and judge somebody after what I just said, ah, we just wasted our time, you know. <laughs> but... But the banner says simply this, I will not be silent in the face of sin. I commit to live against racism. 
And we're committing together as the people of God to, to live mercifully towards all of our brothers and sisters and to, to live with a sense of empathy and compassion, your pain in my heart. And, and when we see something uh, that is sinful, uh, we speak. When we see something that is racist, we speak. And we let God... Destroy the works of the devil through us. Will you stand with me against this disease of racism in America and believe that through Christ we can be the change? Would you stand? Would you accept mercy? Would you forgive sin? And then would you commit? And just join us in putting your name on this symbol. Let's respond. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.